right now, we're going to go into God's Word. And this is such a, an incredibly important time for us. I want to invite you to have a Bible ready. Les invito a que tengan sus Biblias abiertas. If you need a Bible, there are some in the back there that you can get. And we're beginning today a new series of messages. And so to kick off that, we're going to be looking at a portion of Scripture from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Primera de Corintios 3, 5 al 11 es la lectura de hoy en esta nueva serie de mensajes. On the screen, you'll see some page numbers. Those page numbers correspond to the Bibles in the back, and we'll help you to find it. Uh, la página corresponde a las Biblias de atrás. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this first in English, and then I'll read it in Spanish. Lo primero en inglés, después en español. And I want to kind of set this up. This, these are words from the pen of the early church leader Paul, an important church leader. Son palabras de Pablo. They are words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Son inspiradas el Espíritu Santo. And so this is the word of God. It's the word of God for us today. La palabra del Señor para nosotros hoy. So Paul writes, he says, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Después de todo que es Apolos y que es Pablo, nada más que servidores por medio de los cuales ustedes llegaron a creer según lo que el Señor le asignó a cada uno. Yo sembré, Apolos regó, pero Dios ha dado el crecimiento. Así que no cuenta el que siembra ni el que riega, sino solo Dios, quien es el que hace crecer. El que siembra y el que riega están al mismo nivel, aunque cada uno será recompensado según su propio trabajo. En efecto, nosotros somos colaboradores al servicio de Dios y ustedes son el campo de cultivo de Dios, son el edificio de Dios. Según la gracia que Dios me ha dado, yo como maestro constructor eché los cimientos y otro construye sobre ellos. Pero cada uno tenga cuidado de cómo construye, porque nadie puede, puede poner un fundamento diferente del que ya está puesto, que es Jesucristo. So several months ago, uh, if you were here, you may recall me telling you about my ambitious summer project, which was to plant a pepper garden. Les conté mi proyecto de plantar chiles hace poco. Some of you may recall that. I took 20 of the hottest peppers I could find, and I put them in this little plot in my backyard with a nice 
little wooden border and I, I put on some really great soil and I sprinkled those plants with lots and lots of water and lots of high hopes. Puse esos chiles, 20 chiles picosos en este terreno, las regué con agua y mucha esperanza. I wish I could tell you this morning that now at harvest time, I'm just being inundated with peppers. I mean, I just, you know, can't get enough peppers. They just keep coming. Quisiera decirles que estoy inundado de chiles. It's confession time. Not the case. You see, about a month into the project, the gophers showed up. Llegaron las tatuzas, los topos. And they began to eat my plants one by one. They started to suck them down. Empezaron a comer mis chiles. So I had to scramble. I went to Walmart. I got a bunch of big pots, and I threw them all into different pots. Tuve que poner las plantas en macetas. And, well, the results weren't what I was hoping for. Some plants just didn't do so well. They didn't make it. Alguna planta, no. That just didn't work, okay? Now, some plants did all right. They got some flowers on them. They got some blooms on them. But the blooms didn't stay. They proceeded to fall off. I mean, they, they've been blooming all summer. That's, that's like from this, this week. It's still blooming, but there are no peppers. Uh, algunas florecieron, pero no dieron chiles. In the end, only three plants gave me peppers, and of those three plants, only one of those plants really did its job. I mean, really gave me a lot of peppers. Una sola planta me rindió muchos chiles, and that's the one in the next photo there. That's, that's, you know, I mean, that's pretty good. So, you know, I have some mixed feelings about my pepper project. Tengo unas emociones ambiguas. On the one hand, I feel bad. You know, I, I, I feel almost guilty, like I should have known better or I should have done something more. You know, in some way I should have uh, been able to make these preppers grow better. Me siento culpable por un lado por no haber hecho lo suficiente para ayudar a estas plantas. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, you know what? This is not so bad for my first effort. I'm, you know, I'm kind of proud of this little plant here. This is my favorite. You know, I feel pretty good, like... Hey, at least I got one plant to grow, and besides, next year will be better. You know, I'll learn more. Por lo menos me dio chiles una planta y puedo hacer mejor la próxima vez. But here's the deal. In the end, it really doesn't matter how I feel. Whether I feel good or whether I feel bad, no importa lo que me, que me siento yo. Why? Because at the end of the day, I don't make peppers grow. No hago crecer los chiles. I never have and never will have the ability to make one pepper plant produce. I can't. No puedo hacer producir los chiles. I'm just a gardener. So as a gardener, what's my job? My job is to simply try and create the best possible conditions for those plants to do what they do. Yo creo las condiciones para que rindan los chiles. I can try to, to give good soil. I can try to provide the right amount of sunshine, the right amount of, uh, of water, the right kind of fertilizer. Puedo dar buen abono, buena tierra, uh, sol y, y agua en sus cantidades. But that's it. Growth. Crecimiento? Well, only God can do that, right? Solo Dios lo hace. 
And that's true not only when it comes to cultivating peppers. It's also true, people, when it comes to cultivating faith in other people. Así es con cultivar la fe en las otras personas. And it's true when it comes to cultivating what we call spiritual conversations. Así con las conversaciones espirituales. And really that's the message we get here from the scripture that I just read with you this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And what I'd like to do this morning is to kind of go through this message a little bit more deeply and, and so we can see what it's saying. Quisiera mirar ese mensaje un poco más de 1 Corintios because I believe that this scripture has something very important to say to us about our part in a great spiritual harvest that God wants to have in our world. Tiene que ver con nuestra parte de la cosecha espiritual de Dios en nuestro mundo. So I want to set the scene here a little bit. This letter was written by the early church leader Paul to a group of brand new Christians in the Greek city of Corinth 2,000 years ago. Pablo escribe a unos cristianos nuevos en Corinto, una ciudad griega. And you need to understand that these Christians were very immature in their faith. Uh, they were brand new, eran inmaduros esos cristianos. They they'd really kind of lost their focus and they had a number of problems. Tenían muchos problemas. One of the problems they had was that they were fighting amongst each other over which Christian teacher was the best. Estaban peleando sobre cuál líder cristiano era mejor. Now there were some in the church that were saying, well, Paul, he's the man. Paul's our hero because Paul is the guy who first came and shared Jesus with us, who told us about what Jesus has done for us. Pablo es nuestro héroe al decir algunos porque él nos contó de Jesús. And so they were championing Paul. But then there were others in the church who were saying, well, this man, Apollos, he's really the guy we should be admiring. Apollos is such an excellent Bible teacher. You know, he's funny, he uses great illustrations, and, and he's explained so much of Jesus to us, we've gained so much. Este hombre, Apollos, debemos admirarlo porque es un buen maestro de la Biblia, nos ha dedicado tanto en la fe. And so they're going back and forth. Paul, no, Apollos, no. And they're fighting over it. And it's, it's gotten to a point where it's actually dividing the church. It's actually pulling the church apart at the seams. Está dividiendo la iglesia. So Paul here steps into the fray. And in chapter 3, verse 5, he attempts to put all of this in perspective. Pablo intenta poner esto en perspectiva. He says, look, here's the deal. What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? ¿Qué es Apollos? ¿Qué es Pablo? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. Somos servidores por medio de los cuales llegaron a creer. We're, we're just instruments in God's hands that God has used to help you have faith. Somos instrumentos en las manos de Dios. And then in verse 6, he switches and he starts talking about this in terms of gardening. He's using a garden image. Empieza a hablar en forma de jardín. En versículo 6, he says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Yo sembré, Apolo regó, pero Dios ha dado el crecimiento. So, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but God who makes things grow. Así que no cuenta ni el que siembra ni el que rega, sino solo Dios quien es el que hace crecer. What Paul's saying here is, I can't take the credit 
for changing your lives. I can't. All I've done is plant the seed. No puedo atribuir, atribuirme el mérito de haberle cambiado la vida. Solo sembré la semilla. I just preached to you the message of Jesus. Les prediqué el mensaje de Jesús. And Apollos. Apollos can't take the credit for changing your lives. All he did was water the seed. Apollos no se atribuye el mérito de haberles cambiado la vida. Él solo regó. He, he just kind of came on top of what I did and, and kept explaining it so that you could understand it. You see, so if, if Paul hasn't changed your lives and, and Apollos hasn't changed your lives, who's done it? Only God can do that. Solo Dios ha cambiado la vida. Why? Because only God can make things grow. Solo Dios hace crecer las cosas. Verse 8. He says, the one who plants, the one who waters, each of those have just one purpose. El que siembra, que rega, están al mismo nivel. Tienen un solo propósito. What's the purpose of planting? What's the purpose of watering? It's just to create the right conditions for faith to happen. Es crear las condiciones de la fe. That's all. We're like hoes. We're like, we're like garden tools. We're, we, we've just helped to put together a terrain where those seeds of faith can rise up and grow. We are not competitors. We are co-laborers. We're co-workers in God's service. No somos competidores, somos colaboradores en el servicio de Dios. You are God's field. You're God's building. So stop ruining God's field. Stop pulling down God's building. Stop destroying things. Son el campo de cultivo de Dios, el edificio de Dios. Así que no destruyan lo que Dios edifica. And it's here in verse 9 then where, where Paul starts to change his imagery and he stops talking about gardening and all of a sudden he's talking about construction. El habla de la construcción. He says, here's the thing. I'm like a master builder. Verse 10, he says, or verse, yeah, verse 10, he says, I'm a master builder. I'm like an architect. I've, I've kind of come up with the, the foundation. I've laid out everything square for you. Yo soy como el arquitecto, el maestro constructor. I've given you the basis. And then Apollos has come along, and he's like the contractor. He's building on top of what I've put down. Apollos es como el contratista que edifica sobre eso. But the thing is, we have to be careful. Each one should be careful how he builds. We need to be humble and understand our places. Que cada uno reconozca su lugar. Que tenga humildad. Que tenga cuidado de cómo construye. Because there's really only one foundation that you can build faith on. And that's the foundation not of Paul. If you build on Paul, the building will be messed up. It's not on Apollos. You build on Apollos, the whole thing's going to come down. No se construye ni sobre Pablo ni Apollos. There's only one foundation for faith you can lay. And that is Jesus Christ. It is his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. That's the only basis on which you can build up a life of faith and you can become what God wants you to be. That's the only basis you can be together in the church and be what you're supposed to be. Es la única base, la vida, muerte, resurrección de Jesús sobre la cual puedes edificar tu vida y la iglesia. 
So there's a point here that I think we need to step back and look at. What Paul is saying here is that, in a sense, we all are called by God in the church, in this building called the church, which is not a building, but it's a people. We're called to be part of a great spiritual harvest that God wants to have in our world. Somos llamados a una cosecha espiritual que Dios quiere tener en el mundo. We're all part of the construction team. Or if you will, we're all part of the farm labor team. We're each in a position where God wants to use us as instruments. He wants us to use the unique gifts and the unique abilities and the unique place that we have to do what? To create in our environment the best possible conditions for faith to rise up in other people. Él quiere que usemos nuestras capacidades para crear un ambiente donde la fe puede surgir en las personas. And how do we do that? We do that by planting seeds and by watering seeds. Sembramos y regamos. Planting seeds, that means that we have the opportunity to, to share with the people in our surroundings the story of Jesus Christ. The, the, the gospel message. Podemos compartir el mensaje de Jesús, la historia de Jesús. Watering seeds, what is that? That's helping to explain or to demonstrate or to dramatize for people around us in further depth what that story means. Because there's people who've heard about Jesus, but maybe they don't understand what Jesus has really done unless we live it in front of them. Podemos regar las semillas explicando el evangelio a las personas que no saben. But in order to, to plant those seeds, in order to water those seeds, at some point we must be willing to say something. We must be willing at some point to have gospel conversations. In other words, conversations that are centered around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Para que podamos sembrar y regar, hay que decir algo, tener conversaciones acerca del Señor. And so that's why today... Uh, we're beginning a little mini-series here for the next three Sundays. And this series I'm simply calling, Say Something. Say Something, because that's our challenge. Estamos comenzando esta serie, Di Algo. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some scriptures. And my hope in this, really, is that uh, we can begin to clear away some of the obstacles and some of the myths that are out there about what it means to share our faith. Because there are a lot of obstacles. And there are some myths that we have. Quisiera uh, quitar los obstáculos y los mitos que tenemos en cuanto a lo que es compartir nuestra fe. In fact, I think when, when we think about sharing our faith with other people, having gospel conversations with people, it's a little bit like the way I felt with my garden. Es casi como mi experiencia de mi jardín. On the one hand, I think a lot of us can feel really bad. We can feel almost guilty that it's, that it's up to us to get people to, to have faith in Jesus. And if they don't have faith in Jesus, somehow we're to blame. Tenemos, nos sentimos culpables si la persona no cree en Jesús, que, que es nuestra culpa. And we feel guilty because we've not said just the right thing or we've not said enough, or we've said too much, 
And because of that, people don't believe. Tenemos miedo de decir la cosa inapropiada y por eso no van a creer. And, and if they don't believe, then that's all on us. It's our fault. Nos sentimos que si no creen, es nuestra culpa. So that's a, lot, that's a common experience. And there's kind of the other side where we can sometimes develop a bit of pride. If somebody in our lives comes to faith and, and trusts in Jesus, we, we can get to feel like, well, look what I did. I, I did that. Si alguien que conocemos cree, decimos, ah, yo lo hice. I must be something special. In fact, I can tell you I've had both of those experiences. I've had the experience of, you know, it's like you go away from a conversation, you're like, oh, I should have said that, and I didn't. Or I said that, and I shouldn't have. A veces me digo, ay, no hubiera dicho eso a esa persona. Or I've had the privilege as a pastor of praying with people in my office where they've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, and that's such a wonderful moment. But there's that temptation to walk away and say, look what I did. That's pretty cool. I got that person to believe. A veces me siento orgulloso de haber convencido a alguna persona, cree. Or maybe this can happen too, where we say, oh, well, I haven't exactly helped someone else believe, but... I believe in that Bible teacher or that evangelist and what they say is the right thing. They know how to get people to believe and so I'm kind of connected for them. I root for them. O me apego a este evangelista que dice la cosa apropiada. You know, Billy Graham's my guy. Oh, no, 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 it's this guy or it's, it's this person. And we can fight about what's the best way and you do it this way and I do it that way. Here's the deal. We can't take credit when people believe in Jesus Christ. No podemos atribuirnos a nosotros el mérito cuando las personas creen en el Señor Jesucristo. And we can't take the blame when they don't. Y no podemos recibir la culpa si no creen. Why? Because you see, it's God by His Holy Spirit. It's God who makes things grow, not us. It's Dios que hace crecer las cosas. So what can we do? What can we do if, if we don't make people change? Si no obligamos a la persona a cambiar, ¿qué hacemos? Well, here's the deal. We can say something. Podemos decir algo. And let me tell you, saying something is way, way better than saying nothing. Decir algo mejor que no decir nada. I believe that every single follower of Jesus can have a, an authentic, open, spiritual conversation with someone. We can have spiritual conversations, gospel conversations with people, without guilt, and without pride. Because in the end, it is God who makes things grow in people. We just plant the seeds. We just water the seeds. Podemos tener las conversaciones sin culpabilidad y sin orgullo porque es Dios que hace crecer las cosas en las personas. We are not to have guilt. We're not to have pride. But you know what we are to have is compassion. 
Lots of love for people who need Jesus. Concern for them. Because what is at stake is eternal. What is at stake is heaven and hell. It's big stakes. And God is needed if people are to be kept from that destiny without Him. Debemos tener compasión por las personas que no conocen al Señor. Su destino eterno está ahí en el, en el aire. God's actually saying, I want you to be my instruments. I want you to work in my harvest field. Come, let's do this together. Turn with me to another letter of Paul. It's the next one. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. Same person is writing. Paul. Pablo escribe. Beginning in verse 16. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. De ahora en adelante no consideramos a nadie según criterios meramente, meramente humanos. We don't look at people from a worldly point of view. Though we used to, he says. In other words, we don't just see people with worldly eyes. No vemos a las personas con los ojos mundanos. Oh, that one's rich. That one's poor. That one's this. That one's that. That person's Republican or Democrat or whatever the division lines might be. We're not looking at people like that anymore. We're looking at people with spiritual eyes. Estamos mirando a las personas espiritualmente. He says, we used to look at Christ this way. We once regarded Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. Aunque antes conocimos a Cristo de esta manera, ya no lo conocemos así. Why don't we look at Christ this way? Because now we're new people. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Por lo tanto, si alguno está en Cristo, es una nueva creación. Lo viejo ha pasado, ha llegado lo nuevo. We've been changed. We've been transformed into new people. How did that happen? Como? Verse 18. All this is from God. Todo esto proviene de Dios. God has reconciled us with Christ. By the grace of God, we have come into a position of faith in Jesus Christ. Dios nos ha reconciliado con Cristo. God did that. I can't be proud of believing in Jesus. God is the one who's changed me. God's the one who's touched me. And then it says, He has given to us the ministry or the service of reconciliation. Nos ha dado el ministerio o el servicio de la reconciliación. In other words, He changes us, makes us new, and then calls us to join Him in this wonderful adventure of watching Him change other lives. And how do we do that? We plant and we water. Jesus is Lord of the harvest, and He's the creator of new life. So He's in charge of the results. Jesús es Señor de la cosecha, y también Él es el creador de nueva vida. Él está a cargo de todo esto, de su misión. He's in charge of His mission. He'll take care of the results. He just wants us to go work in the field with Him. 
to plant the seeds, to water the seeds in the context of spiritual conversations, gospel conversations. Plantamos y regamos las semillas en conversaciones espirituales. So how can we begin to do that? ¿Cómo hacemos esto? Well, I'm glad you asked. Actually, I asked, but I'll, I'll pretend you did. Um, we've been talking about this year a theme, being different to make a difference. Nuestro lema del año es ser diferentes para marcar una diferencia. And I don't know if you remember this, but over the summer and the spring, I began to talk about these habits called, I've used the acronym BELLS. He hablado de las, los hábitos que usa la palabra bache, como, como un, un hueco que hay que llenar. BELLS. And I want to go through this. Inside your uh, worship brochure bulletin, there's a marker that I want you to keep. Put it on your refrigerator. Tuck it in your Bible. But I want to go through this. What we're talking about here is cultivating the soil for gospel conversations. Se trata de cultivar el terreno para conversaciones sobre Jesús. How do we do that? Well, bless people. Go out and bless people in your lives, and pretty soon they're going to ask you a very easy question. Why? And there's an open door to talk about who it is that makes the difference in your life. Hay que bendecir a las personas y te van a preguntar por qué puedes hablar con ellos. If that's a regular part of your life and your routine, watch what starts to happen. Eat with people. Eat with all kinds of people. Hay que aprender de la palabra de Dios para poder narrar esa historia, contar esa historia de una forma uh, orgánica y natural. When you eat with people, what happens? There's conversation. And lots of things get shared over a dinner table because there's, there's a trust that begins to develop a confianza en la mesa. And so, bless people, eat with people, listen, listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and listen to other people and you will find clues as to what seeds and, and how you can water those seeds. You, you get clues by listening. Hay que, hay que comer con las personas porque al comer con las personas hay oportunidad para conversación espiritual. The second L is to learn. Learn from Scripture. That's why we're reading the Bible every day because as you learn the story of Jesus, you get to the point where you can tell that story backwards, forwards. You can tell that story any number of ways and it just comes out of you because that story's on your heart and it's always on your lips. Uh, puedes hablar también, decir algo, lo que estamos hablando hoy. Hablar de tu fe. And then the S stands for speak. Speak out. Don't be afraid. Take a risk. Say something about your story and something about his story after you've listened to their story. Y puedes escuchar, escuchar al Espíritu Santo, escuchar a las personas y ahí verás indicios de cómo entablar esa conversación. Bless, eat, listen, learn, speak. What you're doing is you're cultivating. You're gardening. You're putting forth the right conditions so that when the moment is there, you can talk. And, and gospel conversations, spiritual conversations in that way, it becomes a way of life. It's an opportunity. It's a joy. It just happens. It's not something you have to feel like, oh, I've got this pressure to do this. Or it's not a burden. It's not a project or an obligation. Las conversaciones espirituales así son un hábito, son un gozo y una oportunidad, no una obligación. There's a pastor up in Monterey by the name of Kevin Harney. Some of us went to a conference with him last week. Hay un pastor en Monterrey, Kevin Harney. He's written a book. Interestingly enough, the title of the book is Organic Outreach. You see the seeds there on the, on the book cover. 
uh, how to share your faith naturally. Ha escrito un libro sobre cómo compartir la fe naturalmente. And in this book, which I, by the way, do recommend, he talks about his own story. He, he really gives his own story of faith, his testimony. Él habla su testimonio. He says that at 17 years of age, he had no church background. He had absolutely no knowledge of God, didn't believe in God. A los 17 años no creía en Dios, no tenía iglesia. And through his sister, he was invited to a youth group at a church. Lo invitaron a un grupo de jóvenes en una iglesia. And this youth group was radical. They were having, get this, for their youth group that night, they were having an event called Las Vegas Night. Okay, so you get the picture. Tenían una noche de juegos de Las Vegas. But they were not using money. There was nothing bad going on. But they had games. They had cards. They had dice. They had roulette wheels. And Kevin said, whoa, yeah, games, Las Vegas. I want to be there. Tenían juegos y cartas y dados y así. Así que fue. So he went. And that night, one of the youth leaders gave a message. The, the message was this. Life's a gamble. Where are you going to put your chips? ¿Dónde vas a echar la suerte de tu vida? Fue el mensaje. I got him thinking. So then he came back to the youth group. Why did he come back to the youth group? Well, for an obvious reason. There was a beautiful young chick that he wanted to meet. And he was really, he liked her a lot. So he came back to the youth group. Volvió al grupo porque había una muchacha guapa que quería seguir. And he kept coming. In the middle of all this, his sister became a Christian. And she started to act really weird towards him. She actually started to be nice to him, to love him, to serve him, to give to him instead of fighting and insulting him all the time. Su hermana se convirtió a Cristo empezó a tratarlo bien con amor en vez de, de tener pleitos con él. That was really strange. And the youth leaders, these were college students, most of them, they They loved on Kevin. They took a genuine interest in him. They wanted his friendship and they, they invited him. Los líderes del grupo lo amaban como amigo. They invited him out to a youth retreat. Lo invitaron a un retiro. It was a, a float trip. So they were on a houseboat on the Sacramento Delta for three or four days. Fueron una barca sobre la delta de Sacramento. And on that float trip, He heard more things about Jesus. And one night he heard one of the youth pastors talk about how, how you could become a new person by, by turning away from your sin, asking Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life and change you. Escuchó un mensaje de cómo él podía confesar sus pecados y, y pedir a Jesús entrar en su vida. And that night, floating under the stars, looking up at the sky on the Sacramento Delta, 17-year-old Kevin Harney looked up and he asked Jesus to forgive his sin and to come into his life and to make him into a new person. And it happened. Aquella noche, el mirando el cielo, le invitó al Señor Jesús a perdonar sus pecados y cambiarlo. This is what Kevin says. I came for the gambling. I stayed for the girls. And I found Jesus. Fui atraído por... Los juegos y las muchachas, pero por fin fue atraído por Jesús. Now here's the question. Who changed Kevin's life? ¿Quién cambió su vida? There were a lot of people involved, right? A lot of people planting seeds and watering seeds and loving him. Muchos plantaban, muchos sembraban. But at the end of the day, only one person changed Kevin's life. Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation 
on which you can build. Solo una persona lo cambió, Jesucristo, porque Él es el único fundamento de nuestra fe. God makes things grow in pepper gardens and in people's hearts. And so with that knowledge, this is the encouragement. Go out there and just say something. Que vayamos y digamos algo. Pray with me, please. Vamos a orar. Lord, thank you so much that your word is like a, a, a rich seed that falls into our hearts. And Lord, may our hearts be like fertile soil. Que nuestros corazones sean como tierra fértil con esta semilla de tu palabra que nos ha llegado hoy. Lord, help us to look at people differently. Help us not to see, oh, there's that drug addict over there. Oh, there's that person with uh, kind of a weird sexuality. Help us not to do that, God. Help us instead to say, we're in the same place. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. That person needs Jesus. Help us just to love people the way Kevin was loved. Que podamos amar a las personas como uh, amaste a Kevin. God, this week, I'm just going to pray that we all might have divine appointments. Que podamos tener citas divinas. Opportunities to connect with someone. And when that opportunity comes up, help us not to, to be motivated by, by fear or by pride, but by compassion. Que podamos ser motivados no por el orgullo ni el miedo, sino por la compasión. Lord, if we open our mouths, we're asking that you will say something through us. Si abrimos la boca, ayúdanos a decir algo. Thank you for your promised Holy Spirit who is with us always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In el nombre de Señor, Señor Jesús, te lo pedimos. All God's people together say, Amen.